0: This show includes adult conversations around sometimes sensitive topics. Check the show notes at cxmhpodcast.com for trigger warnings. You're listening to the CXMH Podcast with Robert Vore and Steve Austin.
1: CXMH is a podcast at the intersection of faith and mental health. Hey, welcome back to the show. My name is Robert Bohr. I'm one of your hosts, and I am joined as usual by my co host, Sergio Manifesto. Sergio, how are you doing today, sir?
2: That is fun. Give me a diamond, I'll rhyme every time. I like it.
1: Yeah, that's a, yeah, I wrote that one down. Sergio Manifesto. Been waiting a couple days to use that one.
2: Bada bing, bada boom.
1: How okay. are you doing today, Steve? It.
2: You know what? <laughs> I'm dealing with internet trolls. Um, which I despise about like toe fungus, but, um, but I'm good otherwise.
1: Yeah. How are so you? Are these mostly like comments on your website or like the Twitter, you know, firing back?
2: You know, okay, let's talk about this. This is, this is fun. This is fun to talk about. And, and I think so many people will get it. If you are an advocate of some kind, okay, maybe you are, um, A Christian and you're advocating for people with mental illness. Maybe you are a Christian and you are gay affirming. Maybe you are a Christian and you are all about social justice and racial inequality. Whatever the case may be, if you stand up for something that goes against the status quo, people will come out of the woodwork. Hmm. So here's a – this is a – very rough observation. I have done no official research whatsoever. <laughs> uh, I am not Brene Brown. However, do you agree or disagree that Facebook may be a bit more conservative than Twitter?
1: Um, I would say that I tend to uh, waive my more controversial opinions on Twitter more readily than Facebook because okay. I think people on Facebook that I know personally are are going to argue with me and I don't think it's worth it. People on Twitter okay. that argue with me are usually not people that I like interact with on a personal level, so like I, I don't care if they argue with me. That's fine. But the people like personally that I know that I disagree with, I think sometimes hey, it's not worth cuz Facebook arguing whatever, it's you know, you're not going to get probably the best heart behind people or anything like that. So sometimes I tend to like I'll post something on Twitter and I'll go over and delete it off of Facebook if I think it's going to cause too much of a stir just because the people in my, in my actual life that I know I disagree with strongly about things, I think it's not worth it to kind of ruin that relationship, if that makes sense.
2: Yes. No, I'm totally with you. So um, there are – I'm only – facebook friends with a couple of real life family members 99 percent of my family i'm not friends with on facebook because i i I am you know i'm a southern democrat i'm an extremely progressive christian um living in the buckle of the bible belt so i know that most things i post on facebook are only going to start a fight even though that is not my intention i'm just posting what I write. So I have, I've gotten rid of most, um, actual family on Facebook, but no, I totally see what you're saying there. So here's what's interesting. I can write about, um, you know, just, just everyday messy grace topics that I write about, or I can write about self-care. I can write about, um, you know, general mental health, practical tips, any of that stuff. I don't hear from anybody, but let Steve Austin come out as a Gay Affirming Christian and write a post, I'll hear from people I haven't heard from in years. Yeah. And so so that's what's going on right now. I um, wrote a, a response to the Nashville statement um, this past week, and wow, boy, the internet trolls have come out of the woodwork. So it's, uh, it's just been interesting. I don't get that as much on Twitter. I, I typically hear more from people who um, – uh, have more liberal leanings on Twitter for whatever reason.
1: Yeah.
2: Um and you know, I'm not anti having a discussion. Like if people wanna disagree respectfully, that's great. We can talk about stuff all day long. If we're talking about the issue and we're treating each other with kindness and decency. It's the personal attack stuff. It's
1: well, sure. just I mean, no The plan. internet is the best place for treating each other with common decency is what I've heard, so.
2: Yeah, sure, right. <laughs> so so let's tie this into mental health then and make this actually a worthwhile conversation. So here's my thinking, and, and please add to this or disagree when i post something like like this my response to the nashville statement i mean it's got a hundred and something comments and some of them are are pretty nasty um i've got choices i can respond and have a pointless argument that is only going to cause harm it's not going to be helpful to anyone i could do that um i can completely ignore it and just let the stuff be there i can hide their comments i can ban them from my page Um, or I can decide to just not respond for the moment. And that, I think that's my biggest struggle is not responding in the moment when I want to go, you Pharisee, you know,
1: um,
2: but to just hold back and go, you know what, let me wait until I find myself, um, where Ed Bacon would say in the house of love, let me wait till I can respond with love to someone that I disagree with, um, so that I can be a bridge builder and not a bridge burner yeah so that's um, but but you know for my own mental health I have to sometimes just turn it off turn off the notifications for something Um, sometimes I even just go back and and delete it it's like you know what if you really want to engage you'll engage with me on my blog and not on Facebook because most of the time the people that are responding on Facebook haven't even read what I've written
1: yeah they're just basing it off the the headline yeah yeah No, I think that's a good point. I mean, I think there are times I have a real bad habit of tweets that I know that are kind of controversial or political, but maybe that I agree with. I scroll through and read all the replies and it usually just gets me fired up and it's not doing me any good, even if it's to somebody else, you know, they're responding to somebody else that I happen to agree with. And so pretty often I have to think, what, this is dumb. I'm just going to turn it off. I'm going to move on. There's no point to it. You know, I think my favorite, I actually... (laughs) I'm really hoping that one day uh, when I get a book published, this can be one of the blurbs that, you know, the little, the little blurbs. Yeah. Uh, I have it screenshotted. Uh, A different website published one of my articles about taking medication for mental health and how that doesn't disqualify you from being a Christian. Uh, And there was a, a nasty comment back about it was on facebook about how it was propaganda it was left wing propaganda and that i was a fake I christian this. intentionally yes. leading people astray so i have it uh, <laughs> scribbled down you know i'm really hoping one day it'll be a blurb on the cover of a book oh me, so.
2: i love it you propagandizer yeah, this goodbye, makes guys. me want to this little conversation makes me want to do a whole episode and i would love for people to respond and let us know if it's something that they want i'd love to do a whole episode on social media the internet and mental health Yeah. It would be so fun to have an expert come on and and really talk about that. Um, You know, the idea, I mean, there's so many things we could talk about. We could talk about social media and comparison and what that does to our shame and how we can, even though we're connected to, you know, 5,000 people on Twitter and Facebook, we still feel isolated. You know, there's so many things you can talk about around social media, the internet, mental health. So if you are interested in a full episode on something like that. Respond and let us know, tweet at us, email us, whatever, just let us know if that's something that you're interested in.
1: Yeah. Well, hey, here's the, here's the thing. I forgot that we cannot be friends for the next 3 months. We can't do the show. Hey, Roll Todd. Ugh, that's disgusting. I'm going to edit Ooh, that out. I'm going to put bleeps you in there so everyone thinks nah. that you've just been highly offensive. <laughs>
2: Oh, man. One of my friends on Facebook today, Patrick, who is one of my dearest, dearest friends in the whole world, posted some verse from Isaiah and talked about how the sky is blue and orange, and that's how he knows God is an Auburn fan. And I'm like, where's the puke button? Where is the puke button? Oh, my gosh.
1: Oh, well, if you – never mind. That was going to get – too nasty oh, hey if you're gonna you go there no matter we who, troll each other right now. <laughs> no matter who you're a fan <laughs> of i will say this is the worst time of year it's the time of year where i disagree with rachel held evans most because she always posts alabama things which is just so disappointing
2: yes that's how i know she's a real christian
1: Ugh, what that's
2: okay. i love rachel held evans oh
1: my gosh hey you know nick saban was born on halloween was he he was
2: well there you go so, that's uh were you allowed to do? You were raised Catholic, though. Did it? So did it matter? Did that impact like Halloween and stuff like that for you as a kid?
1: No, no,
2: no. Okay,
1: we God. weren't that uh that far into the, man that type of thing.
2: Being raised evangelical, dude. Mm. No Halloween, no Smurfs.
1: Did you go to those uh, No Transformers? Like hell houses or I don't, Oh good. I never grief, went to one. Yes. My uh, oh. my wife has told me about it. she went to some with youth groups where it was like a haunted house, oh, but it yeah. was, you know, supposedly what hell would be like.
2: Or they would bring the the traveling production Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames to your church. And let me tell you, mm. if that won't scare you out of hell, nothing will. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Another topic for another
1: day. Yeah, we can save this for a Halloween episode.
2: (laughs) Sure, let's do that.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. Well, hey, today we have a great episode for you, an interview. So you weren't there for it. So I mentioned this to you just a few minutes ago before we started, but I think this will be kind of an interesting twist on things because we talked a bit in the Welcome Back episode about how sometimes we're going to do interviews and the other one won't be there. So I'm going to introduce you to the interview and – the listener can kind of take that towards them as well boom so in this interview i talk to jason chestnut uh if you're not familiar with him he's very active on twitter uh he's an, an ordained pastor in the evangelical lutheran church of america he's one of the co-founders of the slate project which does a lot of really cool stuff it's a progressive christian project and they do a, a twitter chat which actually, I don't know if you know this, long time listeners of the show, I say that like we've been doing this a very long time. <laughs> if you know a lot of the mythos behind CXMH, we did a, we did really a like your big Twitter chat last, last summer, the Church of Mental Health Twitter chat that we hosted along with a couple mm-hmm. other people. And the Slate Project was one of the Twitter chats that kind of spurred that idea on for us, um, or at least for me, and then kind of roping a handful of other people into it to help run it so uh, fancy i did not know that Yeah, it's a fantastic chat if you ever see hashtag slate speak uh thursdays you'll know what that is but they cover a wide variety of topics from kind of the progressive christian uh viewpoint so he has a lot of good things to say about a lot of that about intersectional justice and then he has been tweeting for the past few months, I want to say pretty brutally honest things about his struggles with depression currently, like ongoing. Yeah. And what I think is cool is I told him this, there's people, there's folks like you and me, right, Steve, that this is what we do. So people kind of expect that from us. And there's value to that, obviously, otherwise, we wouldn't do it. But when somebody who has kind of a faith voice and and platform, if you will, uh, for something other than mental health, starts talking about that i think it introduces kind of a whole new chunk of people to it it adds another level of hey these are okay to talk about even if that's not like what i do all the time you know yeah
2: it's well it's just like the what the time article that came out this past week about the pope's new book and him yeah. admitting that he you know went to therapy for like 6 months when somebody like that that it's not their typical wheelhouse says hey yeah me too oh my gosh yeah it's so empowering and i think it gives people permission to be human
1: absolutely man you think we could book the pope on talk let's do it let's call him yeah let's call him well hey we'll get to it
2: Uh... (laughs) it always kills me when i say some stupid (laughs) oh god one day Can we have an episode I'm sorry, I'm tore up. Can we have an episode that is all the things that you've ever had to delete?
1: We and can and string them
2: together with music. <laughs>
1: Here's what I think is that would have to be a like a patron, a Patreon thing. So it was only That's the people that were idea. really invested in us already. So that they right. get offended so it wouldn't
2: scare anybody else away. Yeah, yeah, so true. Oh, people, if you only knew the things that Robert has to do to produce a show that is coherent and not offensive.
1: If we were less good of friends, it would be less. Uh,
2: you would slay you me know. and take the show for yourself and your own glory
1: what no i just meant that we wouldn't have much fun and i wouldn't have to edit around (laughs) okay (laughs) would slay you
2: oh man all right back to jason chestnut i'm sorry
1: yeah no here we go we'll uh we'll just go to it then so here's our or my i guess interview with jason chestnut Alright, welcome back to the show. Today we are joined by Jason Chestnut. Jason, how are you doing today?
0: doing good. How are you?
1: I'm good. Just to say a little bit about you here, uh, Jason is ordained in the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. He's also one of the co-founders of the Slate Project, founder of a film company. How do you pronounce that? Yeah, I say On Coast. On coast, all right. On yeah. coast Films. And then, actually, uh, some of the things you have listed in your Twitter bio, just because I think it's a great collection oh, of uh, titles <laughs> here. Jesus Follower, Anti-Racist, Feminist, Aspiring Theologian, Restless Creative, uh, and then you have Black Lives Matter in there as well. So, Jason, tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of your background, where you're coming from.
0: Yeah, um, well, I... You know, I uh, the Twitter bio I think is a good starting point. There, I, I'm you know I, I do a lot of a lot of different things, and I think a lot of those are kind of things that are in process still. So, I created a video company, um, started sort of a, a a Christian community both online and face to face, and I sometimes I talk about myself as like an itinerant theologian or an itinerant. <laughs> human i just i'm just doing a lot of different stuff that um excites me and kind of connects me to the world and i'm still trying to figure out exactly how i fit into the world yeah so um but yeah either way i'm in i'm in balt i'm based in baltimore uh in maryland and yeah i uh any given day i was talking to you earlier like you know they're normally up this early on a thursday i'm like rarely do my days ever like i never know exactly what's going to happen day to day you know yeah.
1: the life of a, of a creative yeah
0: right exactly that's exactly it
1: so let me ask you so i'm looking at you on skype video uh but our listeners aren't so you are a white male right i am okay so why is feminist and anti-racist and Black Lives Matter, why are those all so important to you?
0: I think I think because, because of the privilege the power and privilege that I have as a white man, I have I've kind of had my eyes opened, I guess, to to what it means to not have these things in this country. And I've been I've been really convicted by By encounters with others and by things I've seen and to try and dismantle the systems that that you know that give give me power and privilege and and take it away from others, yeah, so I mean I would say my 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 passion is around those things, and you know for me, I think it's a very it makes perfect sense to me to to be committed to those things as a white man because that is what I feel called to. That's what justice means to me. That's what following Jesus means to me is to be dismantling those systems.
1: Yeah. So I mentioned earlier you're ordained in the ELCA. Um, Do you actually work at a church? Are you like a a pastor of a church?
0: No, I, yeah, no, I, uh, I started, so I started the Slate Project as part of a congregation, I mean, as like a new community, a new, we call them mission developments, uh, a new um, church within the the ELCA. Um, and now I do that kind of part-time. I'm shifting over to the video company I started to try and make that work. And then I preach. Um, I'm like a supply supply pastor, supply preacher. Um and I do that pretty often. Almost every almost every week, um, or three three weeks out of the month, I'll be preaching at a church that is in need of a of a, a pastor for the morning.
1: Awesome. So you mentioned it there. Tell us a little bit about the slate project.
0: Yeah. So it was what's well, trying to imagine Christianity with a blank slate is the idea, and um, I was given a gift of of some funding back in 2013 to start a new Christian community. And I didn't have really any other, I didn't, there, there were no other, um, what's the word, strictures. There There was no other um, specifics that, that had to happen. It was just a new Christian community. And so I was really committed or passionate about doing that online and having a big online piece because that's where a lot of people are, is online. And I wanted to be able to create content and encourage and engage conversations online uh, around the 21st century way of following Jesus. So that's kind of the genesis of it. And we meet face-to-face in Baltimore City uh, throughout the week, kind of a small group of people without a building. And then we meet online through a lot of different things, mainly on Facebook and Twitter. And that's kind of yeah, that's that's been we're entering uh our almost our fifth year of the, that, which is crazy.
1: and that is Thursdays at nine, right is the it's, the Twitter yeah, chat. so
0: there's a Twitter chat that's one of the things we do um Thursdays nine nine Eastern, and you can follow on the the hashtag uh, slate speak
1: yeah, I would encourage folks to go check it out. Uh, I've jumped in those conversations a couple of times, but most weeks I just scroll through and read a lot of it because there's always some really great conversations happening
0: there are no it's it's true it's a it's a I think it's a it's a unique place for well you know I say like radical progressive christianity to to kind of have a space for that I think um I think it's one yeah. of the those places yeah
1: so Jason, the reason or I guess one of the reasons uh, that we're talking this morning is that you've been tweeting a lot recently, which I greatly appreciate, pretty honestly about your struggles with depression. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about maybe how long that's been going on or or what you've been going through?
0: Sure. Um, So I was diagnosed in 2011, but I was probably, I probably had, uh, it's probably back to maybe 2009 that I was having kind of these, um, these aspects of depression. And it was always kind of hard to even name it, right? Because in our, in our culture and society, we use the word depression or depressed in, in more of a, a non-clinical way. Yeah. So like, um, that's really depressing or I'm kind of depressed today or something. Um, as opposed to kind of a, a deep, you know, all encompassing mental illness. So, so I was diagnosed in 2011, um, and I went on a, an antidepressant then. And then this year, uh, so I went on the antidepressant for many years, pretty functional, functioning um, as a human being. Uh, and then this year, kind of the bottom fell out. And uh, I was put on some – I was trying to shift off that drug, which I didn't think was working. I was put on some others that weren't really um, appropriate for uh, my – uh, illness, and so I'm just kind of coming out of that now, and it was a, it was a really hard, um, you know, several months, and and I think, you know, the way the depression hits me is different than other people, and um, you know, um, met, mental illness is so. I mean, our brain chemistry is so unique. I mean, it took me forever just to get to a point where I wasn't blaming myself for the way I felt, yeah, um, thinking that I had done something or. Uh, that if I just ate better or went for a run or something, I would feel better. Um, so, so, I mean, for me, you know, it's, it's just this, it's, it's like this fog that just encompasses me. I, I, it's, it's hard to get out of bed. I can't really, I don't really have any energy to do anything. I don't look forward to anything that, you know, kind of, uh, um, the the quote from charlie brown in the peanuts uh comic strip he says um he's talking about unrequited love but i put depression in place of it and he says uh nothing tastes nothing takes the taste out of peanut butter quite like depression
1: <laughs> yeah
0: um so it's like you know you even things that you enjoy and like you, you can't even enjoy them like the joy is taken out it's it's so weird and messed up and it's just you know I mean I've started to talk about it as a demon even though i'm I'm, I'm part of a a Christian denomination you know community doesn't really talk about demons uh, it's not really a part of our religious vocabulary but I've started talking about it that way because i I feel like you know I mean it, it, it's this voice that lies to you it's this constant um taking joy away it's like a you know if you're a harry potter fan i mean it's very much like a dementor yep um and it's following you around and it, it will not let up so that's kind of you know and, and i can talk about it now i i think when know when we first connected robert on on twitter um you know there's a possibility that i would have talked with you about it um when i was more in the midst of kind of this latest round of it uh, I mean, it's always there, but you know to yeah. talk about it when it was like really, really, really there. And so it's easier now to talk about it as I'm kind of coming out of it a little bit, but even you know even mentioning it is, it's just sort of like a, my therapist says that my brain has traumatized me, right? So that yeah. it's like it's like this trauma of like, oh God, am I always going to feel this way? Am I always gonna be this way? I mean, it's, it's a real, overwhelming sense of you know again I mean depression is 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 not the right word I think we need to call it something else I don't know what but
1: I've often thought especially recently I've been thinking a lot about terminology and I think that the mental health community we've kind of done ourselves a disservice by naming if I had to guess I would say that they named them the way they did so that people could understand them easily right but they're using common enough words to where it can be, you know, whether you say anxiety, everybody experiences some level of anxiety. So then to specify like general anxiety disorder, but most people just call it anxiety and same with depression, right? right? That was already a word in existence. And so I think sometimes that that language gets a little muddled because you, know, you can say you're feeling depressed, but does that mean you actually, I don't know, you know yeah, what I'm I mean, is, like, it, is Is it, that just a situational thing
0: or? Right. No, I think it's a really good point. And so then, with that, without that language, then it's like it's really hard to get people to to really see it. So it's like it's like that. What I mean, I guess it's ironic that using language that you're trying to get people to understand, and it turns out that that language keeps them really from ever understanding. Right. Right.
1: So let me ask you as as a a creative and as someone who maybe has a little bit less structured days, right? You're doing things. uh, So most of the things that you do are things that you would be passionate about, or things that would require a lot of energy, right? Because you're starting new things or uh, doing things that aren't just you know you show up and type whatever for a while and then leave, like maybe some jobs would. And then you mentioned that your depression makes it very hard to get out of bed, very hard to feel passionate towards things. How 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 do those two things work together or against each other in your case? Yeah,
0: I mean, it's hard. It's this constant battle to to remember kind of who I am and, and, and what I care about, um, and, and what drives me and what 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 gives me or what what kind of encourages passion in me and the depression is constantly uh fighting against that and yeah i mean you're right given how my life is it's sort of like i'm I'm more susceptible to it maybe or you know depression is more easily it can more easily mess with my day-to-day schedule and rhythm um and and maybe if i if i wasn't doing what i do maybe it would have a, maybe it would be a different story. But so it's like this constant, I'm constantly having to remind myself that, you know, that, 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 that I matter, that my work matters, that, that it's something that's, um, that has worth and meaning in in the world. I mean, and also obviously, you know, to be able to make a living out of it, which I'm still trying to do, uh, right now. Um, but that's a constant thing too. Right. So I I think, um, to go back to the Dementor analogy, it's like it's always around me, and it's like this uh, companion, and I have to <laughs> I have to constantly be putting myself in a mindset where I can be <laughs> bringing out my Patronus, right? Um, yeah. And uh, you know, like Harry, Harry has to be in a constant state of mind to battle the Dementors that, that overwhelms that despair and hopelessness and um, So it can be really exhausting
1: sometimes. So how do you do that? Like how do you Kind of push back against it. you mentioned they're bringing out your patronus. What what do you do to keep yourself in that mindset? Or are there certain things that you do that help encourage you?
0: Yeah, um, you know, I, I would say like the big thing for me is that I, I, it's a brain, it's my brain chemistry, right? So that I have to find a medication that helps with that. And and right now, um, I'm trying one with, with my psychiatrist that, um, is giving, is, is giving some good results, but that's a, that's a, that's a big thing. And that's something that, you know, that I need. And then, um, from that kind of baseline, then the other things are I would consider it to be a little bit more you know, shallow is the wrong word but kind of service level that can kind of go down deeper. So music is a big one for me, um, yeah. and that helps me get into a mindset and and keep that mindset um, of you know of hope and, and 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 looking towards the future. You know, I think um, it's hard sometimes. It's like there's a, there's an anxiety related piece to my depression as well. And so to, um, to calm myself down or to, to kind of, um, be less anxious, it's like, it's, it's kind of a catch 22. So I'm less anxious when I'm able to be creating like editing video or, uh, you know, editing a podcast or creating, um, content, things like this. But then it's hard for me to get to that point in the first place, right? Right. But right. when I'm doing it, it feels it feels really good, and, and it feels centering. And yeah, so I think I think the brain chemistry is one piece, and then the other piece is is trying to using whatever uh, resources are available at our disposal. Which um, you know, is it music? Is it film? Is it a book? You know, I think a lot of us who are depressed or who struggle with mental illness, we're constantly trying to figure out how do we, you know, call in the troops? How do we bring in all of our resources to, you know, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And that's, you know, and that's like a constant give and take.
1: Yeah. So how does this play into your faith life as as a, a pastor, yeah. as someone who preaches, how does all of this interact with with that, right? Because that's the whole gist of our show here is the intersection of those two things of Christianity and mental health. And so how do those how do those interact with each other in your life?
0: Yeah, it's difficult because I think for I mean, for many years I thought I had to hide it. You know, not talk about it, pretend like it it didn't exist. And I think our our Christianity plays a role in that, you know, whether or not it's, it was society first or Christianity first to kind of, you know, the taboo around mental illness, around the ways that we don't really talk about it, the ways that we, that I still, even now when I talk about it and I get comments from well, well well-meaning Christians, people who care about me or who want to help, who say that I need to pray more or, um, study my Bible or, you know, remember that, that, uh, you know, Jesus said that, you know, blah, 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 whatever it is. And so that's always been really kind of frustrating. And that's, that's a part of the, the mental health aspect within Christianity, especially as a leader in in a church or, you know, a faith leader to talk about it. Um, although I will say, you know, the more that I talk about it, um, I've even talked about it from the pulpit, and, of course, from my online pulpit uh, of Twitter and Facebook is right. that, you know, overwhelmingly I've um, either had people say, you know, thank you, thank you for doing that or, like, you know, you've named my own experience. Um, yeah. And and so, you know, to call attention to that and to, to bring light to that uh, is, you know, I, I think that's, that's a big deal within faith Within within Christianity, especially since we have so many stories, um, especially stories in the Gospels around demons, around uh, unclean spirits, that um, those for me have. Uh, I'm, I'm a biblical storyteller as well, so I, I learn stories by heart um, and then tell them. And you know, as as I learn more and more stories of like unclean spirits and demons, they have also really connected with my with my mental illness now it's not it's not like an easy huh, um an easy answer though is oftentimes right jesus heals the person and says your faith has saved you your faith has made you well i don't know if that's necessarily the most helpful thing because that kind of gets back to right if i had more faith i wouldn't feel this way um right. but i do think it's important to to talk about it um to name it i i mean i'm gonna be the person who just like everybody's going to think I'm like totally obsessed with Harry Potter, which I kind of am. Um, (laughs) uh, I'm listening to the books right now uh, again on on audible. So I think that's why they're fresh in my mind. But like we have to name depression and mental illness for what it is. We have to name it. Um, We can't say he who must not be named. Um, You know, Dumbledore says, right? Like, like once you name it, then you have, you know, you're, you're not letting it have control over you. Yeah, And I think sometimes in the church, we're bad at naming things for what they are, whether it's recently, um, you know, like white supremacy in in Charlottesville, or if it's just more of a personal thing of like naming mental illness and saying this is something that's real and that's something that affects us. Uh, It affects church leaders. And if we can name it, then maybe we can have an actual – Christian community response to it which you know is anything beyond uh just pray more or whatever yeah right
1: absolutely okay so i have to ask yeah. because you've uh described it some uh in terms of like a demon yeah which I appreciate in the sense of uh, that level of like along with the Dementors and things like that, but I know that there's also going to be some people listening and things that are uncomfortable with that analogy only because we've heard from people who were told, hey, this is a demon, you just need more faith or you need people to lay hands on you and it'll be healed or you need, you know, even an exorcism or something like that. Right, so are, when you talk about your depression in terms of a demon, are you talking about like literally like a biblical demon, like very spiritual warfare esque, or more of just a way kind of of describing it?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's a, I mean it's a way for me to describe it. So I'm trying to I'm trying to come up with with words and, and analogies for it. Um, I don't I don't I don't see it as a a spiritual. Uh, biblical-esque kind of warfare, um, on on par with uh, uh, the exorcise, or you know, um, yeah, needing an exorcism or things like that. So, um, um, but even just to talk about it, like I'm talking about it, which is kind of to say, just imagine like what what it must be like to to have your brain traumatizing you in this way, to not be able to get out of bed, to not be able to have joy. To sometimes I describe it like when I sit with it. It's uh, I look at my life and, and, and the past is something I can't get back. And the future is something I can't see. And the present is absolute crap. Um, so that that's demonic to me. But yeah, so it's, 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 it's so I'm not it's not uh, that scene in um, the movie Saved where they're throwing me into a van trying to exorcise me, exorcise me. Uh, it's not it's not that level. So they're not literal demons like that Jesus calls legion, or that that can name Jesus out loud. Um, it's it's that's not how I think about it.
1: Okay. Uh, so you've mentioned some about counseling and medication, and I think you touched on something that is important that i think maybe um a lot of folks at least at first aren't really aware of that you can be on you know a mental health medication for a few years that maybe is working for you and then something shifts to where it's not right. working and then you need to to shift and that's a a really hard process right. i know that that finding the right medication even at first is a very hard process for a lot of people because everybody's brain is a little different and so, and they take you know two weeks to kick in most mental health medications and so right it's a hard process so can you talk a little bit about how you knew that that the medication that you were on for a few years wasn't working and then what the process was like trying to switch and find a new medication that, that was working
0: well it was hell i mean i mean at, at first it was just I just felt like I could feel better. I was having some of the same, over the course of a month or so, or two months, I was noticing some of the same physical um, side effects of depression kind of creep back in. So I was sleeping more than usual. I had a lack of appetite. I wasn't eating, it. I was losing some weight. Um, and, and so when I felt those things come up, then I was like, well, you know, maybe, Maybe I could feel better than I, I felt. I mean, and so when I started, I made that decision to go, you know, to start the process of of finding something new. Now, I went to a a, a psychiatric practice that really kind of um, I would say was very uh, they they messed they messed with me, um, not intentionally, but just kind of gave me wrong medication they kind of uh they gave me stuff for like bipolar um depression which i i don't have and so i went down a long path um months of being on an antipsychotic and on a mood stabilizer that wasn't uh, that does not work for somebody like me with um kind of straight depression and so it was really hard plus on top of that to 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 wean off of um a medication I've been on for years, right? That my brain had gotten used to, even though, as you said, um, the brain is such a unique organism, a unique part of our body. That medication that works can stop working. So when that when yeah. that happens, you know, then you're trying to find something new. Now, really, what should have happened is I should have been with a psychiatrist, like I am now, somebody who knows what they're doing, who would just have put me on to a similar kind of medication at the same time of getting me off the medication I was on. But that's a constant is you you really have to get used to feeling crappy. Like that's how it, I mean that's, that's how I talk about it sometimes is that because the new medication, you don't know if it's going to work. You got, you got to wait weeks for it to even kick in. You've got to go off of the other medication. So you, so whatever side effects you have that, that medication isn't working. Well, once you wean yourself off of it, then you're going into withdrawal. So you have you have the side effects of going into withdrawal. Um, I mean, just imagine if you ha- you know if you had a if you had a um, a physical illness that needed an antibiotic, right? And you go in and they give you an antibiotic, and if that doesn't work within like six hours there's something wrong and just to imagine going in the way that we have to deal with it in the mental health world and they're like, well, here's a antibiotic. I don't know if it's going to work for you. Uh, We'll give it a couple weeks. It probably won't work for you, (laughs) but uh, just keep living the way that you're living with this, you know, with this sickness and then come, come back in in two or three weeks and maybe we'll try something new or maybe we'll just give you more of this first antibiotic Right. That's the other thing, too, is that, you know, you got a couple weeks. Maybe it doesn't really kick in. Well, then sometimes the the thing to do is to up it and to go higher. And so then you're talking about a full, you know, six, eight, 12 weeks of a certain medication to see maybe if it can do something.
1: Right.
0: I mean, it's just it is so exhausting and just nothing else works that way in the medical field. Yeah. They, you know, we just don't know. We don't know. We don't know the brain. We don't know how the brain responds. I mean, we still don't know so much about it, right? Right. Yeah.
1: Well, Jason, uh, people can connect with you online on Twitter at Crazy Pastor, or they can connect with the Slate Project if you want to check that out at the Slate Project or slateproject.org. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else, in anywhere else people can connect with um, you?
0: Yeah. Uh, those are the main ones if you uh, if you connect with me on Twitter and you're not completely uh, you know completely uh, appalled by what I say, then then we can connect further so you know and that's yeah. uh thanks Robert for the for the time. I appreciate your uh, your presence online as well and and uh, and uh, you know your podcast uh, it means a lot to to be having this conversation because uh, nobody else really is so thank you.
1: Absolutely. And I, I I will say, one of the things I appreciate is, uh, obviously, there's a handful of us that talk about faith and mental health, like as our main thing. But one of the most, one of the things I appreciate the most is when people who that's not their main thing, right. also talk about it, right? Because people follow, right. you know, other pastors for just faith things. And when they're willing to be open about it, then... Absolutely, I think it adds another level of of connectability. So,
0: and it reminds me, um, you're I, not alone. It reminds people that this affects yeah. so it affects so many people, and and a lot of us just hide it or refuse to talk about it. Yeah, totally.
1: Well, I appreciate it. Hey, Steve's not on this part of the show, but if you want to connect with him, you can find him on social media at IamSteveAustin or at IamSteveAustin.com. You can connect with me on social media at Robert RobertVore or at Robert-Vore.com. Jason, any closing words for our our listeners today?
0: Well, if you feel like you are, uh, any any of this talk about depression or or side effects about it, if if that... feels like it connects with you just know you're not alone and there is help and you can you can feel better um it is possible and uh uh, reach out and the, the help can look a lot of different it can look um it can look different and and in a lot of different ways but just know you're not alone and there's help out there for you
1: and also go read Harry Potter. And
0: go read Harry Potter. It's fan- It's fantastic.
1: <laughs> All right, Jason, thank you for talking thank to me. Thank you, Robert. I'll talk to you later.
0: All right, take care. Thanks for listening to the CXMH Podcast. Want to score some major brownie points? Leave us five stars and an honest review on iTunes. Follow us on social media at CXMH Podcast and email us with questions, comments, and interview requests at cxmhpodcast at gmail.com. A final note. If you're in a dark place today, struggling with suicidal thoughts, you are not alone. Professional help is available 24-7 at 1-800-273-8255.